Support for this podcast and the following message come from the Master Brewers Bookstore, where you can find must-have titles like the Practical Handbook for the Specialty Brewer, Beer Packaging, Conference Proceedings, and more. Visit mbaa.com store to build your brewing library and make better beer. I think we have more opportunity for learning from each other um, than we ever have before. This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Let's go! 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 Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. Welcome to the Master Brewers Podcast. I'm your host, John Bryce. Today, I'm joined by author, engineer, Master Brewers Publications Director, and all-around nice guy, John Palmer. John, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you very much, John. I appreciate it. I guess I should have said welcome back, John. You also appeared way back on episode two of the Master Brewers podcast alongside Ballast Point's Aaron Justice. We recorded that one during the World Brewing Congress where uh, we were talking about another one of your favorite topics, water chemistry. Uh, Just curious, have have you and Aaron done any more work together since then? Uh, we've, we've planned a, a few things. Um, he, he's been very interested, Ballast Point's been very interested in the results of that particular study um, where we, you know, brewed um, some of their recipes with two different waters. Um, and, and basically what, what Ballast Point uh, is looking at, what Aaron and I have been doing is, you know, bringing a water chemistry adjustment into the recipe development process. In, in my book, How to Brew, I talk about how water adjustment is one of the last things you really look at um, in terms of the recipe as a brewmaster. Um, you're, you need to get you know pitching rates and fermentation character and all those other things kind of dialed in first. And then you can start tweaking the water and saying, okay, does this recipe need to have a little bit more sulfur or a little less sulfur in terms of the hop character? Um, Or does it need a little change in pH to bring out some of the beer flavors better? And it's that kind of experimentation uh, with water chemistry adjustment that uh, we've been talking about. All right. In addition to the work you've put into the Technical Quarterly and other Master Brewers publications, you wrote an article of your own in the latest TQ release. How about telling listeners a little bit about that paper and why you decided to write it? Okay, well, it's um, it's kind of a getting back to fundamentals uh, kind of thing. Um, there are so many new members of the MBA uh, currently that are uh, new brewers, new brewmasters, uh, if you will, um, who have uh, been home brewers and opening their own uh, small brewery, um, you know, realizing the uh, challenges of scaling up and uh, and batched batch consistency, you know, brewing a, a core beer um, that. 
there's a lot of issues that face us on a day-to-day, uh, you know, in, in the commercial setting that uh, aren't visible to uh, the casual brewer, the hobby brewer. Um, recently, uh, uh, Eddie and Drew at St. Arnold's Brewing uh, wrote a very nice presentation at the World Brewing Congress on um, changing their liquor to grist ratio, changing their water volumes. Uh, to improve their both their laudering times and uh, and uh, extract efficiency in the brewery, and I thought at the time I thought this was such a fundamental concept and and fix that you know it's the kind of thing that that every commercial brewery is probably going to face at one point or another, um, but just not be you know, entirely sure how to address. Well, uh, these two gentlemen address it in their brewery and i think their methodology uh will help you know would help a lot of other brewers and uh that's why i encouraged them to write the article for the tq it also got me thinking about my own work for my book how to brew in predicting uh wort gravity uh in the mash and um, through sparging and different sparging methodologies and so that's where the the idea to jot that down as a companion piece to the St. Arnold's article came from. The St. Arnold article was really very good. I I hope listeners have taken the time to read that one, as well as listen to Eddie and Drew discuss it during episode 44 here on the Master Brewers podcast. John, going back to your paper, you actually tested a model from de Klerk. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, the the equation in de Klerk is uh, what we commonly referred to as the Lincoln equation, um, not, not that it was written by Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> comes from a different source, but um, it's a conversion equation between specific gravity and uh, degrees Plato. And uh, it's a, compared to the ASBC polynomial for converting between the two, uh, it's a much simpler equation, basically 260 divided by uh, the quantity of 260 minus the degrees Plato of the word will give you that that uh, quotient will give you the specific gravity of the uh, word. And what's interesting about degrees Plato um, is that, of course, you can measure it with a refractometer and read off, uh, you know, the the strength of the word or the the amount the per, amount of soluble extract in the wort uh, on that scale. And what that is, is the weight fraction of sugars in the wort. And so by combining the two equations, um, you can predict the um, wort gravity, specific gravity, as well as the uh, soluble extract as a function of water-to-grist ratio in the mash. Um, This assumes that, um, all else being equal, the degree of crush is consistent, the uh, degree of modification of your base malt is consistent, and uh, the the total soluble extract of your base malt is consistent. Um, Total total soluble extract of your malt being uh, typically the fine grind dry basis number um, but so putting putting those variables in the equations assuming that we're going to get you know um, 75 percent 
of the total soluble extract or 70% or 80% uh, of the weight of malt as total soluble extract allows you to, to uh, predict the work gravity of the mash, the first runnings as it were, um, with uh, quite a, uh, an exciting degree of uh, consistency. And so that's what the, the thrust of the paper was, is to lay out um, a graph of uh, soluble extract as a function of water to grist ratio, and then uh, show the data from several mini mashes that I conducted that uh, correlated, uh, you know, that you know, matched the uh, predictions of the graph. Coming up, difficulties increasing isomerization at high altitudes, and more. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. Here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. District Rocky Mountains Technical Out-of-Towner starts August 18th in Albuquerque. The District Ontario Hop Field Day is also August 18th. The Master Brewers Brewery Engineering and Utilities course begins August 20th in Madison, and August wraps up with the District Philly Technical Weekend August 25th and 6th. The California Craft Beer Summit is September 7th through the 9th in Sacramento. The 77th Annual District Ontario Golf Tournament is September 8th. District Carolinas meets in Greenville September 15th. The District St. Louis Golf Tournament is September 21st, and time is running out on early bird discounted registration for the 2017 Master Brewers Conference, which is happening October 12th through the 14th in Atlanta. Check the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting. Now back to the show. You also did some trials mashing with wort instead of water to illustrate that gravities are additive. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, that's something that came up uh, a year, a couple of years ago um, at a conference I was at, a homebrewing conference. And we were talking about the issue that many brewers have in brewing uh, high gravity worts, you know, uh, worts for Baltic porters, Russian imperial stouts, or uh, barley wines. Um, you know, very often you run into the problem where your grist bill calls for 30 pounds of malt, but your kettle will only hold, say, 25 or 20 or something, you know, some maximum. And then you have the, the choice of using a very small water to grist ratio to try to maximize the amount of grain that you can fit in the ton or, um, you know, boiling for an excessively long period of time to boil off the amount of sparge water that you had to use to uh, you know get your wort. I guess I'm not sure how it came out came about, but the idea was that um, by mashing with wort, you could you know uh, double the amount of uh, gravity of the wort. And um, based on this same principle that we just discussed, in terms of the effect of water, uh, water to grist ratio on first work gravity, um, I set out to uh, see if that indeed held true. 
And in general, it does. Uh, the data that I uh, got from my small experiments showed that, um, especially at uh, more modest gravities, such as, say, 1050, 1060, um, when you mashed with a 1050 or 1060 wort into another um, batch of grain, that the wort gravity did indeed, uh, or that it, it was additive. It was purely additive. Um, the data that I presented in the paper was kind of an extreme set where I started out with a quantity of malt and water, mashed, got my uh, 20p, 20-plato uh, wort, collected that wort and added to another um, small batch of grain and tried to achieve uh, 40p and then did it again to try to achieve 60p, which of course are extremely high uh, correct, you know, uh, gravities. And in those cases, the, um, I guess the trend was there, but the, the wort by that time had the consistency of syrup. A lot more of it was retained in the spent grain, uh, than in, you know, lower gravity mashes. And, uh, you know, the, the, the I think there are some solubility issues as well, where, you know, with that high, of a work gravity, we weren't getting all the extraction, all the soluble extract out of the grain. And uh, instead of getting, say, a 40p wort, we got like a 38. And instead of 60p, I got like a 50 or 54. What's that number? I bet that was a uh, fun, sticky mess to clean up there. Yeah. Well, fortunately, I was using um, small volumes. So it was a matter of dumping a, a one liter mash into the trash afterwards so not not too bad but um a friend of mine john blickman um also uh was interested in this and he did it on a five gallon scale instead of a one liter scale and um he you know hit his numbers um exactly so um yeah it's the the bottom line is that wort gravity is when mashing with wort instead of water are additive okay the, the overall goal of your paper was to remind brewers about some fundamentals that, as you said, are often probably often forgotten during day-to-day brewery operations. What are some practical takeaways from your article that might help the average craft brewer? Yeah, I mean, you know, the average craft brewer today is, is using, uh, you know, a three-vessel or four-vessel system, sometimes, uh, you know, 10-barrel in size, 20-barrel, 30-barrel. Um, and a lot of these brew systems are kind of set up um, around uh, a more average uh, work gravity, say, you know, 1040, 1050. And so when it comes time to brew, say, you know, a 10-barrel batch of a different style, such as a, a Baltic Porter or uh, Imperial Stout, um, they have capacity issues. They have, you know, they can't get enough grain into their ton to uh, do an efficient mash. So um, the the sequential mashing, uh, as I discussed, uh, can be a very useful tool for them. And in fact, I know of a couple of uh, breweries that uh, use that process for, to, for now for um, brewing higher gravity beers. Because in terms of stuck mashes and you know, underruns and, and, you know, various 
issues that you can have with very high gravity brewing. Um, mashing sequentially uh, allows two fairly normal uh, you know, production runs, and so a lot less headache. Okay, let's talk about the TQ in general terms. It, it's seen several direction changes over the years. Where do you hope to take the TQ, and what types of articles do you think can add the most value to today's Master Brewers members? Oh, that's a that's a really good question. Um, there's so much potential in the TQ, and um, for for many years, um, I think a lot of the uh, journals whether it was the ASBC, the JIB, um, or MBA, kind of competed for, you know, the, the scholarly, um, you know, academic article and to be recognized as a leader in, in innovative brewing technology um, and case studies and so on. But I, I think as we... And, and that's, you know, that served the membership well then, but I think as... With the the change in uh, MBA membership in the last you know ten years, as craft brewing uh, becomes more and more more and more common, um, I think we have more opportunity for learning from each other um, than we ever have before. And so I'm looking for um, brewers to share their experiences, uh, like St. Arnold's did. Um, and you know, share the share the practical day to day improvements, as well as you know the new hop variety coming down, or you know the latest dry hopping study, and as we attempt to uh, engineer that process better, um, you know you can uh, you can do lots of research yourself at a university, or you can look at what working brewers have done in their own breweries you know, trying to solve smaller po- problems and issues and bring all that data together to, you know, write that next chapter in brewing technology. And I think I think that's the potential of the technical quarterly these days is to bring together all of our shared experience and uh, really advance uh, the technology of brewing. Well said. I couldn't agree more. Do you have happen to have any previews for listeners? Uh, maybe of um, some articles they could expect in, from the TQ in the coming months. Well, we're working on the third quarter TQ right now. We have a very nice article um, from Dogfish Head on um, dry hopping and uh, studies to, a study to reduce the amount of uh, sulfur character in the in the uh, hop character of the word by reducing the amount of trube and uh, hop uh, spent hop material in in the word uh, at the end of fermentation. Very interesting there. Um, you know, there's there's so again going going back to the previous point. There's so much potential for uh, new articles because you know the styles of beer are changing so. Uh, fast these days you know 20 years ago 30 years ago it was all about pale lager and pale lager brewing now we have 50 different styles that you know breweries are producing on a day-to-day basis and uh, i think we're going to start seeing more articles uh, attuned to those styles and laying out the differences 
uh, in brewing techniques uh, between different styles that really help you know flesh out the big picture. Um, I'm going back to your question. Um, I'm contemplating a couple articles uh, myself. Uh, one, uh, my mine my articles tend to be kind of short uh, snippets. They're not uh, very large, but for example. Um, a decrease in hop isomerization as a function of uh, brewing altitude. Uh, as you go up in altitude, you know, the boiling temperature decreases, and that affects your overall hop isomerization. I was at a, uh, a brewing competition in South America earlier this year where, um, as we were judging some very excellent beers, we commented that the amount of bitterness uh, was not really representative of the category. Uh, very often we are tasting beers that have been entered in the IPA category, and yet the bittering levels, the overall intensity, was more uh, similar to a pale ale category than, say, an IPA category. And um, in talking with the brewers that had brewed those beers, um, it quickly became apparent that you know altitude was a, a big factor. So I'm, uh, I'm thinking of writing an article on that issue. Very cool. Um, John, you've uh, you've also written several books, which are very popular with both home brewers and commercial brewers. Uh, Water, a comprehensive guide for brewers, can now be found alongside the latest edition of your very popular book, How to Brew, in the Master Brewers Bookstore at mbaa.com/store. So, what motivated a metallurgical engineer to begin authoring books for brewers? Well, it was, uh, you know, it was a hobby. I, I worked in um, as a metallurgist for uh, 20, 25 years, um, and brewing was always my hobby. And as an, engine, as an engineer, the brewing process was one that always uh, just seemed, at least from a, uh, from a home brewer point of view, seemed to cry out for uh you know, concise methodology and kind of an engineer's point of view on, you know, what works and why does it work and, uh, you know, trying to engineer the brewing process more. So that's, that's how I got interested in writing about it. Um, I guess over the years, it gradually grew to consume my life. All right, John, we'll keep up the good work. And I look forward to seeing you at the 2017 Master Brewers Conference in, Al- in Atlanta, if not sooner. Uh, yep. ha- have a good one. Thank you, you too. Check out John's tables and charts in the Master Brewers Technical Quarterly, volume 54, number 2. You can get there from the publications menu or by typing gravity into the industry's best search bar at mbaa.com. 130 years ago, Master Brewers was built on the concept of brewers helping each other out so we could all make the best possible beer. That's still true to this day, and it's where a lot of the camaraderie in this industry originated. Master Brewers' award-winning Ask the Brewmasters is the best place to go for troubleshooting, where you'll find the industry's only discussion forum that's moderated for technical accuracy by a team of experts. See what everyone else is talking about, at community.mbaa.com. The 2017 Master Brewers Conference is October 12th through the 14th in Atlanta, Georgia. Conference details can be found along with all the other great resources at mbaa.com. Enjoy today's episode. 
Would you like us to keep making more? If so, there's a really simple way you can let us know. Subscribe, rate, and review the Master Brewers podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast.